you just use like a stereotype? You're like all the all the Irish say that. Like <laughs> every I, no, no, it was attribution. <laughs> it's Celtic. It's an old saying. I don't and, know. And I properly. Hey there, if you've joined the podcast today, my name is Chris Jarvis. I work with companies on employee giving and volunteering programs. And my name's Jake McIsaac. I spend a lot of time thinking about public safety and restorative justice. So we are having conversations here that we've been having for 20 years. Yeah, the only difference now is we press record and share it with you. Thanks for joining us. Today, we're going to talk about DEI, diversity, equity, inclusion, and how the private sector is pushing for a more diverse, inclusive, and equitable workforce. And we're going to look back in 1954 at one of the earliest attempts. It's kind of cool. It's kind of weird, but mostly it's just strange. Okay. Um... I don't know how to get into it without our normal intro, Jake. A couple months ago, you sent me a video. Um, I had occasion to find a longer version and watch it. Do you remember yeah. the video? Uh, I send you a lot. Was this one of the TikTok ones? Because they're so speedy and interesting. So Yeah, no, it wasn't TikTok. Although... I, I Wait, is it the... Um, it was something about sales... And it was, it, we, we were talking, um, about, uh, well, it's called the secret to selling the Negro. Do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I, I was going to try and find a, 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 a easier way to just jump in, but it's a documentary from the fifties and, and, uh, had occasion to watch it all. It's about a 20 minute documentary and thought that'd be kind of cool to talk about today. Oh, okay. Well. Uh, let's dive right into the deep end. Um, yeah, so I, I, I should also let you know, I played it for my mom. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Okay, because I, I did check it out later too. And, yeah. uh, um, and your mom. Mm -hmm. Okay, so for it's, listeners uh, who can't see Jake right now, he's from a biracial family. His mom is the most elegant black woman i think a strong black woman very, very proud powerful, yep. matriarchal kind of you're like she's so elegant and i'm very afraid <laughs> well we can unpack that that, <laughs> yeah, that um fragility and whatever that is <laughs> yeah, uh, that's right. threatened okay, that's by fair. strong black women um but no uh it was an interesting conversation we can get into that too because it had some personal overtones um but I found it fascinating, so let's just jump in. Okay. Uh, one play clip to set it up? Yeah. Okay. Hello, I'm Bob Trout. I've got a story here that I think is big, really big, because it's bound to have a terrific impact on business. I'm talking about a new market, a big new market, millions upon millions of new prospects with $15 billion to spend. That's right, I said $15 billion. That's a lot of money, isn't it? The surprising thing is that it's a fresh market, still full of opportunities. It grew up so fast, got so big in a hurry, that few of us realize its scope. Now these days, nobody's likely to pass up chances to sell. And yet right here in our own front yard, there's a neglected market. There's money waiting to be spent. To get the story of this market, to be able to tell you the secret of selling the Negro, we did a lot of digging. We talked to leading businessmen, to customers, and to salesmen. 
We went to Washington, D.C. We set up cameras and other key points around the nation. And out of this all, there emerged a story, the story of a new market. Okay, well, so far, this this feels like a typical pitch I might hear at a conference or uh, lately in my line of work with uh, corporate social responsibility and corporate responsibility is um, the market that the shared value folks coming, uh, Michael Porter from uh, and, and Mark Kramer from ES, EFG and then Michael Porter from Harvard, we're talking about, look, there's a market at the bottom of the pyramid, the world's right. poorest people. We can make products and sell to them and bring them into the economy. And if we do it in the right way and they get a good product, then this is a win-win. It's shared value. Everybody wins. Yeah. So for me, I just start uh, reflecting on that clip um, that they're talking to someone, that this documentary was meant for a particular audience and this audience had uh, w was supposed to be seeing the opportunity as presented to them and was right. supposed to be seeing that laneway to profits right. and um so nothing bad yet. pretty typical pretty, yeah. typical, pretty typical right stuff. so yep. uh carving this out and except <laughs> except how it gets framed up after that and i don't I, it it felt a bit campy and i get that it context matters so we're watching this in 2022 and this was created in 1954 like so we have to be fair Yeah. that um, I, I think that sort of the production value, um, the way they're talking about folks um, is set in a, in, in, a, in a time. But I was actually pretty surprised by some of the things that would, be, would have been progressive, um, maybe even thought leaders at the time. Okay, yeah, because right now it's just, there's a new market, it's 54, let's go get it. It's $15 billion, which in 54 has got to be a lot. So let's find out who this market is. Yeah, it's, it's black folks. Um, and there, there, there's a, a moment in this um, documentary that becomes really instructional. So instead of it just being educational, hey, there's this opportunity, takes a sideways turn in about, I don't know, about 15, 18 minutes in when it says, so here's the secret. Here's how you sell to them. Okay. Can we play another clip to yeah, yeah. set it up? Set it up. Okay. Yes, this is the market we're talking about, the new Negro family. Their name is Wells or Wilson, Smith or Brown or Alexander or Breen. They live in Chicago, in Atlanta or New York, in Detroit, St. Louis, Los Angeles, any one of a thousand cities and towns. All over the country, families such as this are enjoying new prosperity. They have new interests, new standards of living, a buying power they've never enjoyed before. They're good prospects for practically all types of goods and services. All too often, though, they're overlooked prospects. Why? Because of some good, valid reason? No. They're overlooked because of mistaken ideas because of out-of-date ideas about how the Negro lives and how he buys. The truth of the matter is that the Negro lives pretty much the same as other folks. So, what do you think so far? Well, I'm thinking new market, interesting time in history to see, um, and I have looked ahead here now, an interesting time to see so many of the black community moving to metropolitan areas 
with wealth and representing $15 billion of purchasing power. And the thing that they know that capitalism, the system knows is that those stereotypes are going to keep us from making money. Therefore, if profit is at risk because of our stereotypes or quote unquote old fashioned ideas, read here, implicit unconscious bias or over over bias and racism. If those are the things keeping us from profit, everybody better get in line, which yeah. is interesting because I don't know. And for everybody, this this video is uh, produced by Ebony. And the idea is this is a big market. You should be marketing to them, sell ads in our magazine because the black market reads our magazine. Um, what's interesting to me is the thing that I might notice is, all right, that is progressive. They're naming it. They're saying, look, there's some old fashioned ideas. I, I, we can maybe play a clip or two of what they mean by that, but, um, they're, they're going at it. The, the thing that I know is, is because there's profit involved. They use two phrases that I think, um, when we're doing our work around EDI work or getting people to engage, uh, in community and in in ways that would stretch them, we often will um, draw the comparison. The two phrases I said were out of date and old fashioned. So this is the new. This is progressive. This is what's on. This is what's coming. You're not going to be able to stand in the way of it, right? So the wealth was growing. Fifteen billion dollars um, was now on the table for the taking. Um, I think it talks about in that documentary that. Uh, in 1954, uh, the average black family in, a, in the United States was making four times what they were making in 1939. And so things are moving, things are moving quickly. I, I wonder if they're almost signaling, you can't stop this. And so we end up having these conversations around um, how to be more inclusive. No company is going to ever say, we're not going to be inclusive. Like no one's going to say that. And so you have, you're always um, running up against the, the change management process within these companies that, right? right? Uh, what, do you do right. With, what do you do with a dinosaur that just crosses their arms yeah. and say, yeah. I'm not moving. No, this was I'm a perfectly great company when I started. Yeah. Right? We don't need that. I know how to sell. I've got customers. I don't need this. I don't need new customers. I don't need new yeah. money. Yeah. So it, it, it for me, that was... Interesting to say they were positioning it in much the same way we have our conversations. Which ugh, is not, yeah. Okay, so here's what came to mind for me when you said that. So diversity, equity, inclusion, really big, important initiative being led by the private sector because the religious communities basically opted out to become as partisan as the public uh, politics and the politicians are beholden to a more populist mentality of we right. need to appease the most people with the lowest common denominator and not wander into things, which is typically what politicians do anyways, but they are not able to lead in this. And I think we've talked about this before, but um, Edelman um, does a, a trust barometer a survey every year and they found for the second year in a row uh, last year, that employers are the most trusted source of authority right. in the United States and Canada. Yeah. So your employer is the one you're most confident on because everybody else seems swayed, duplicitous, or involved in something, or has an ulterior motive. But we're quite willing to excuse the well-known ulterior motive in business leading in 
it it's, it's money. But yeah, yeah. And listen, I I'm glad that when companies have more DEI emphasis, they make more money because there's the reward and the incentive, and we know how this works. But seeing this ugh, from 1954, now <laughs> now it feels. Uh, weirdly blatant, and right. we'll, we'll get to that but, a little but, bit more. So, how is that different than some of the conversations yeah, we have I about know. gender? Yep. We need to have more women involved in buying these products. Women have all this extra extra money. Yep. What about um, lots of more other diversity on the board at the C suite? We need more tones, color tones, and right. which or, or every summer there's rainbows everywhere for a month. <laughs> for a month and they're on the shopping bags and yep. they're in and ever and and it's not bad but do we think that folks are not having this this kind of blatant conversation how do we get access to that money yeah how do we sell to them you know um why do they buy so the three questions they asked in this documentary what do they buy why do they buy how do we sell to them have we actually moved in in our conversation or have we just moved different to different groups different angles different angles yeah. same questions same motives yeah because now it's we need them to be on the inside working at our stores or right. in our company but the whole thing is so we can sell because the market to is the woke group that won't buy from us if we're not that way but but that's what wasn't i mean we're going layers down the down the yeah. rabbit hole in this one but yeah. i think isn't that the point that Ebony was trying to do and selling mm -hmm. space in their magazine? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, it says where do they, where did the African American community at the time go for their direction? They come to Ebony. That why? Because yeah. they like to see themselves in their magazines. Yeah. Yeah. So, so there is this um, this space that uh, someone can see themselves. I'm reflected here. They get me. They get the cultural piece. Well, we've just replicated that by having tokenism in some spaces. Is in it some the same ways. though? Like, okay, so so tokenism is uh, for those listening. Jake, do you want to explain it better than I could? Well, I think it comes from a an attempt sometimes to, and so let me let me be fair that I think it can happen inadvertently, and it can happen with the right mm -hmm. motives. So exactly. I don't think you need exactly. I don't think you need to be a bad actor or have malicious intent to wake up one day and go. Oh, in my quest to to be more diverse and to have a more inclusive, I think I got one of these and one of these and one of these. And then you have to kind of check yourself to say, what are we doing? Yeah. So it, it sometimes comes from a desire. I think that's a, a pretty good place, but you don't want it just to be your one black friend, one gay friend yeah. or, or employee or so it becomes a token. And there are some good there's some good frameworks and tools out there because I I think there are probably a few people who are just whatever check the box I don't really care about this and I don't believe in it yeah absolutely there's a there's a bunch of people like that but I think more of the people making decisions are probably at this moment and thinking isn't this the right thing to do this is the right thing to do and it is the right thing to do so there are organizations like um, I think it's Diversity Labs. They have something called the Mansfield Rule. They work with law firms across the United States. And there's basic criteria for them to not become a performative ally, which means we say right, a lot of right. cool things, maybe make a donation, but we're not doing the hard work of changing our own bias. And then there are um, 
other companies who want to do the, and this is most of them, they, they're like, I don't care, let's be diverse, but how do we not fall into tokenism? And I think there's a lot of apprehension about it. So people are kind of all over the place. So they're like, we want to step into DEI, but we don't want to look like we're doing it wrong. Right. Um, yeah, so it's it's very complicated. And, and But it's and, easy to look back 60 years at this video. That's it. That's it. And it's like a mirror that you can look at and go, now you can maybe see a little clearer by the compare and contrast here. So, But there, there, there's also this this constant tension that we're wrestling with, the, the difference being altruistic and admitting that, that there are profits. Like they start out with, in, in the blatant ways, when we do go back and look at it, they start out just laying it right out. Hey folks, there's $15 billion yes. on the table. Yes. And so yes. they're... One line that 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 was in that clip that we said or that we we played, I said, they're enjoying prosperity that they've never had. And I heard that because I don't think anyone told them that. They've recognized <laughs> that the system's changed. The system has yeah. been um, uh, had been oppressing folks. And yet, so so now, not only was there, $15 billion up for grabs, but there's $15 billion in the hands of folks who have recently been uh, allowed to um, spend it in different ways. So the ways to spend it were opening up. They're, they're now allowed to shop in less segregated spaces to go into, yeah. it, it, it just, it was interesting. That, well, the cities that are named uh, at another point, we're not gonna yeah. play all the clips, but the cities that are named that are seeing this massive growth are, are the ones you might expect, right? So they are th places like Houston. Atlanta. What did they say? Grew by 45%. Chicago, in mm -hmm. like just over a four year period, grew by 81%. Philadelphia, 50%. In terms, and San Francisco, in terms of black representation. And that has kind of persisted that migration from the fields to the, to the urban area, from rural to urban. Right. And then the jobs that are available because of the rebuilding after the war. So this all kind of makes sense. And you're right, the system kind of was working for a lot of the black community at this time. I don't know if and I, go, I that don't know if I'd go that far. The system wanted to know how to get it back. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Well, I don't know. How I'd go. I don't know. How I'd be as charitable as you have been. But well, on, a, on a relative scale of how well systems work, yeah, I, I, I get it. Yeah. Well, it I mean, equitable. It's 1954. There, we know that it's you know, um, because we're looking all the way back. We can see civil rights um, struggles through the 60s. We we're looking back through that lens. These folks didn't know that was coming yet, so um, that's true. So, so they're they're incrementally moving it along yeah. to say we yeah. need to make some space, not equals. Yeah, the language throughout the documentary still dehumanizing, still othering. Uh, it is very clear that the audience is not African American because they are right under our noses. Right. You know. That's, so, yeah, that it is tailored to the white business man. Absolutely. And you know what's interesting? Well, power Jake, brokers. Yes, the power brokers. And I think we should illustrate exactly the nuance because it is at both progressive for the era. Right. Correct and horribly othering and terrible, all somehow all at the same time. And you made a comment earlier um, in the show that I think is really interesting. Are we doing the same thing now? 
with all our good efforts around DEI, I understand we understand it's driven by profit. I don't think that's a bad thing because it's a built-in incentive. It's the only incentive for this for the private sector, and we should take advantage of that. But there is a little bit of pushback from folks who are like, how woke do we need to be? How inclusive? Oh my gosh, let's just get on with it. Why? And I wonder if 50, 60 years from now, we might not look back at this point and think about how DEI was off the wonderful, terrible, I, I don't know. It, I, maybe I'm not saying anything in here at all and we can just cut this out later, but I, I do think, no, Jake, I think we had a couple sense. of examples to well, talk about. It might clarify things a bit. Yeah. I think there's a, there's a clip we should play and insert here the clip that I don't think we'll be able to find it right now, but oh. near the end, yeah, there's a uh, sales person and they says, um, uh, it's he's standing outside of a corner store. Got it right here. Okay, you want it? Um, yes. Okay, because the other section I want to go back to is, is crazy too. So okay, the three yeah. things. The three oh yeah, yeah. Things. I want to get there too. Okay, okay. But this one first. Here we go. Let's let's. Here's a live example of of a successful salesman. Is it really so different? What do salesmen say? the successful salesmen who do a good job of selling in Negro communities. How do you go about getting the order? How do I get the order? Well, to tell you the truth, I don't do anything. <laughs> anything different, that is. <laughs> I've been calling on these accounts long enough to know that the Negro just wants to be treated like everybody else. That's it, right? That's it? Yeah. I don't do Keep anything. Going. Di I don't do anything different at all. And, right. And we don't have to, the clip gets a little bit long as he goes through the next part, but th this moment, the next part that he talks about is, uh, he says something to the effect of a little friendliness and courtesy goes a long way. I've, I've learned that um, uh, no one, no one likes to be patronized and talked down to. Uh -huh. And actually it's this, despite everything else, everybody else they talked to, the, the, was it the secretary of commerce? They had a lot of really official looking folks and sounding yeah. folks along the way. And yeah. they go to Joe salesman who's working in the community. And he says, here's what I've learned. Treat people with respect, give them dignity. Don't talk down to them. See the human, right? Not his words but literally the same kind of things that we talk about. If you yeah. can make a connection, I, he says, I, I use names. Yeah. Last names, Mr. Uh, and Mrs. Until, but, yeah. until I'm given permission to talk to them and, and to say, to use their first name. And, yeah. and he structures a, a respectful engagement and respectful relationship. And in those moments, I, I don't, I don't overstep. I don't overshare. I give ideas and actually when I was listening to it, I thought I'd buy from this person just about anything he's selling because he was meeting them at a very human level. And the rest of the, the up to that point, we can go back and talk about the really gross stuff, but he, he, he almost works against the whole documentary in that one <laughs> clip. He says, no, I think the secret is just see them as humans. Yeah, just... <laughs> That would have made a much more affordable marketing campaign for Ebony Magazine. Let's just play. I want to play yeah. a snapshot here so you can hear. And, and as you're listening, listen to as opposed to. Do this as opposed to what? Like right. what were the what are the alternatives that he's saying? 
do not use phrases like boy and other things when you go to sell to a corner store run you know owned by a black man which yeah. is what the image is about but let me they don't say any of that they but i in my background in my mind i'm thinking that's what they don't want to happen so they're actually have to walk people through common courtesy for mm -hmm. the community so let's let's just play it for a sec no matter who you're calling on a little friendliness and courtesy help a lot Naturally, anybody resents being patronized or talked down to. So I usually call a man Mr. Brown, Mr. Smith, or Mr. whatever his name is, until he tells me to call him by his first name. And of course, I always stick to business. And it just goes on like that. Just decent, mm -hmm. common courtesy. But they had to create a, by the way, colorized in 54. So very expensive oh, clip. Yeah. Um, to help salesmen curb the natural racism that would come out and mean that they couldn't access $15 billion in sales. Yeah, I, I think that's 100% right because this is execution of all of these things fall down on humans. So you can have a great strategy. You can decide as a business leader that this is what we're going to do. I mean, this happens when we when we have conversations about, uh, we both w work with senior leaders in, in institutions that say, we want to be this, and it seems aspirational. But the yeah. application <laughs> goes off the road when a couple people say, no, I'm not doing that. Or yeah. they say they will do it, but then do it very badly. Yeah. So you're right. They had to solve for that upfront. Yes. Like we, this is our biggest barrier. You have to treat them like human beings, dummies. Yeah. All the white salesmen just stop like that. You're right. That could have been the entire thing, but they had to make a business case for treating other people as humans. And DEI is the business case for treating other people as humans. We are still in 1954. In many, many, many ways. Well, that just sort of reduces what I thought was a very progressive movement among the private sector. And for anybody who's wondering, DEI, are they spelling D die differently? It's diversity, equity, and inclusion. And this these are the three words that tend to guide uh, a lot of companies as they think about uh, the demographics of the company. I think uh, I think a lot of spaces to add an A to not make to make sure that accessibility ability is is there too so that it doesn't just become about uh, another form of um, ableism i agree um, so folks who are tracking along you might see it as dei or dei and oftentimes it has an a it may be in brackets but that's sometimes some of the lingo in this work yeah and so Maybe nobody listening to this podcast, but others when they I say certainly things like hope that, that's when I'm not doing it, true. What's that now? I certainly hope that's not true. It's a lot of work. <laughs> when, I, when, no one to when I'm on a stage and people say, um, you know, all oh, with these phrases, L B G T Q B Z S Y, but uh, there's all I have to learn all this stuff. Why yeah. can't they just accept their place? Like just be normal and we wouldn't have to go all the way around like this. What what rooms are you in? Okay. Well, <laughs> I'm in the Estados Unidos. Yeah. Uh and okay. so every once in a while I have a I have a mixed audience. Mm. Uh but I don't think you can say anything up in Canada. No. Trucker rally in Ottawa, anybody? Yeah. No, uh, I no, I wasn't getting judgy. I'm just uh <laughs> 
that can we can save that for another episode. Okay, yeah. let me play. Let me play this section that you were referring to, and then we can uh, just decide whether DEI is good or just mm -hmm. old timey marketing. Suck up your racism. We can make money. You can deal with it. <laughs> kind of thing. Yeah. Hold on. Here we go. But we all know that before you can sell to customers, you've got to get to know them. You must understand something about them. What do the Negro customers buy? Why do they buy? How do you sell to them? Let's find out. Let's hear the opinion of men who have spent a lifetime studying the buying habits of customers the world over. Here is what sales psychologists have to say about selling to the Negro. The secret of selling to the Negro is expressed in one word. That word is recognition. Now, there's nothing unusual about that. People want to be recognized. They need recognition. That's basic in all of us. But perhaps because he's had so little of it, the Negro needs even more. He needs to feel important and appreciated. Okay, I'm going to stop there. Um, just going to zip ahead a little bit so we can get to the next slide just as can, another can, example. Can, can, can we not just... Okay, we'll come back to it then. Well, no, I don't mind talking about this now because I love how they said, we all need that. He's a human being. Mm -hmm. But let's let's admit one thing. There's a past that we don't talk about That's and that it. we're trying okay. to get out of our history books where they may need more than most, so give it to them, right? I mean- the, But we're not going to talk about that. We're not going to talk about that stuff. The, the, in, this this is this whole critical race theory conversation, right? That That- and and in this video, they're acknowledging they're acknowledging a past that said they're enjoying yep. new privilege that they haven't had before. They're in, yep. you know, they need to be recognized because they haven't been recognized. African Americans have. I, I think you're right. Don't just listen to what they're saying. Listen to sort of between the what words. What they're not saying, yeah. And I think if Fox News was going to do a thing on Black History, it would sound a lot like this. Yeah. Um, here's a community that really, you know, uh, is coming up and. They have an opportunity, more money, and maybe they need a little recognition because that's not been a part. So just go ahead, give it, and just gloss over. Yeah. All of the. Okay, so here we go. Second part. This here. need is a very real and important one. It shows up even in many of the Negro shopping habits. Anyone who sells or wants to sell to the Negro customer should know about some of these habits. Three habits in particular play a big part in every sales transaction. To begin with, most Negroes buy by brand. They ask for products by name. They're quick to turn down off brands. Do you wonder why? Well, listen to what this customer is thinking. Hmm. That last hat I bought just didn't hold up at all. You see, for a long time, the Negro has been sold a lot of shoddy, second-class merchandise. So now he asks for name brands in order to make sure he gets his money's worth. Buying by brand, that's the first important Negro buying. And good for him that he got out of that situation. I don't know how that happened, but uh, he kept getting shoddy and bad merchandise. So now he wants, you know, the stuff that has a brand name on it. So we need to, I, I, same thing again. It's yeah. kind of like a tip of the hat to it, but we're not going to go into it. And honestly, would they go into it in a marketing? I mean, this is, this is a teach salesman, one, stop using racial slurs or you're not going to sell anything. Treat people like human beings. And by the way, this is a real market, so get selling. Yeah. I, I don't know if there's a place for critical race theory in something like this. 
but I don't know what to do. I, I, uh, but at the same time, it reeks. So within, I, I mean, I know this is a conversation that um, happens and, you know, I'm taking it a little outside of the community because I think, so if you find this uh, documentary on YouTube and you go to the comment section, there is a whole conversation that happens in the converse, yeah. co um, comment section uh, between the community. And yeah. one one person says, stop telling our community's news outside or something to that. And there is this moment where someone is saying, I think, hey, we're still struggling in some ways. Hmm. So if a, if a couple parts of this is true, folks like to be seen, like to be recognized, and then there's this conversation about always buying brand on brand. That has also and continued to be exploited. So what 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 they talked about in so blatantly in 1954 continues to be exploited and say that that many young men in my community in the African Nova Scotian community believe that there is a right set of shoes or a right brand that because now that is tied to in many ways um, belonging status yeah. yeah it it is credentializing in a different way yeah right so other communities might credentialize around um a degree my degree wherever my office seismic yeah. so, some groups and particularly uh some of mar these marginalized communities uh, at least in 1954, they're giving the heads up to, to um, salespeople. Hey, don't forget this. This is, I, I think, when I listen to this, I think they're telling, here's, here's, a, here's a weakness or a vulnerability. It has a backstory. You should lean into it. And I think that because of the next two tips. The Negro buys good quality merchandise. Symbols of quality and prestige are very important to the Negro customer. This woman, for example, is buying fine crystalware, but she is also buying the admiration and approval of her friends and relatives. Listen to her thoughts. My, isn't it beautiful? I can hardly wait to show it to Sally and Joan. It's a well-known fact that many Negro customers are influenced by the opinions of others. What their friends may think of a certain item often decides whether or not the sale is made. So remember, the Negro buys quality merchandise. That's the second important point. Yeah, I don't even know what to say to that. Like, um, <clears throat> I think it's probably true for everybody, and I think they make that point. But at the same time, there's sort of a, a subtext that I heard. It doesn't feel very sub, actually. Um, newly wealthy Black community members need status. They'll get it through stuff, sell them expensive stuff so they can prove they belong in this new economic class. Yep. Weirdly, that continues to play out in the church community. And, that, and that's not just a black thing, but um, this kind of the more opulence, the more. So it, it is a weirdly human thing, but it's it's a strange thing to hang right on the black community. How do you hear that? Like uh, you were just talking about status symbols and the kind of clothes. And one of the, um, one of the comments below is uh, Under Armour wrote this video all the way to the bank kind of thing. 
Um, <laughs> oh, in, in the comment section. Yeah, yeah, I, I did get lost in the comment section there. That's a whole another episode in itself. It, There's tons of stuff there. People are reacting for to it, it, against it. Yeah, yeah. Indifferent, white, so, so otherwise I, black. I I hear those three tips as as deeply interconnected, and not just three separate tips. So I think the third that, one uh, we won't play, it, but the third one is don't s go to sell something and then at the last minute switch. And then there's a guy who says, "You like this pen? You know what? This one will do." And he gives it to him, and it doesn't write. And he's like, "This community has gotten short shrift." That's that's yeah. as close as they ever say we enslave them. It's the short shrift mm -hmm. um, where we, the whites, have been constantly the bait and switch. You want this? Take this instead. And they're just saying, if you want repeat customers, because there's a lot of money here, don't stop doing that. It, there, it, this is sort of a correctional video to the natural sales patterns of white America to black America. I think that, yes, I think that's right. But they use a really important, again, a human word there. And they say they resent uh, being, being told what to buy. Yeah. So don't try, they resent being told not this, you should have this. Yes. For all of the other reasons, because it attaches to status and because yeah. of the quality. So I yeah. think that all three are are deeply connected and then paint a much more problematic picture than, you know, really you should give people agency to buy whatever they want to buy. That's just yeah. a good, and you probably shouldn't try to do a bait and switch, or you could help get to know them. What do they need? Like, this is not actually a sales call. This is, don't do this, you'll lose a sale. They will make their own sale based on they're going to come in. They're going to ask for it by name. They're going yeah. to ask for it by name because they need it to make status. Yeah. They need it to show up. Yeah. And don't mess up the sale. They're selling to themselves. Don't yeah. get in the way of the sale by offering something else. They will yeah. resent it. Yeah. So I, I see those three tips as hmm. um, insightful, but not how to make a sale, how to not mess one up. Hmm. That's equally problematic that, that, that kind of fits the gist of please call people by their proper names please be curious please I, actually all the practical tips in here are please be decent to black people that that's all they are like and to your point and here's how not to mess up the sale three tips to not screw up the sale by being a racist so so we do a lot of volunteering with uh, sort of outgroup volunteering, really stretching people to um, to see other humans that they wouldn't ordinarily connect with in their day-to-day Yeah, yeah, they cross paths with them. And outgroup is like um, homelessness versus in-group, which is people at your Lions Club. You're all yeah, there and the you volunteer like to you. help each other, but you're all part of the same group and the same power structures. I don't know. I, I think you probably hear this too. What, what should I say? Yeah. Tell me what it's what's it going to be like? Am I going to yeah. be safe? So when the question when going to a community kitchen or a soup kitchen, yeah, or anything yeah. urban like that, yeah. And people are asking these kind of questions, and really, some of these lessons are. So what should I say? Um, hi, <laughs> tell, tell them your name. <laughs> you could start with. <laughs> you could start with like, "Hey, how you doing?" <laughs> like it. We, it, there's this demystifying moment when we show up and say, if you treat people like humans, the rest will fall in place. I can't tell you everything and I can't tell you exactly how the night or the event's going to go. Right. But I can tell you if you start it this way, it goes better than if you don't. 
Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. This video is so interesting because it is basically trying to help people not lose a new market that's coming their way, and they bury it. And I mean, they've got tons of data on the size of the market, who's moving where, that just to prove, because obviously people are going to watch it and think, nope, right? Where, where's all this coming from? What What are you talking about? I, I've never had to worry. I've never had to think. I have. I'm 80 years old. And not once have I had to worry about selling to a black person in my store. Why would I start now? Blah, 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 blah. That, that's really what they're combating. You're right. It's, it's sort of like a, here's what not to do because you'll mess everything up versus, and, and the only point they make in all of this is treat people like human beings. Yeah. I mean, or and, like they're white and they go, well, there you go. Right. It's not that, is it? It's, it's it, not treat them like they're white. It's not, but I do think it's um, treat them like you want to be treated. And so, yes. you know, I think that that is, um, they start to even do some myth busting halfway through or, you know, just before halfway mark. We know what you've heard. We yeah. know you've heard they don't pay your bills. Actually, yeah. let's point to this. And then they go through and they have the stats or the, the information about, um, you know, actually they're uh, more likely to pay their rent, pay their bills. I know you don't want to rent to them because, uh, or I, I know you think yeah. that they won't buy quality products. Actually, so they do name they do name those. You're right. They yeah. do name those towards the end. Like here, here's what you're thinking, but it's not true. There's myth busting. They so call the, that out. They yeah. call it out. So there are admirable points in this video that I think, if we fast forward sixty years, we would we would think of ourselves in much the same way, I think, that the producers of this video were. Was. And, and so what's the proof? The proof yeah. is that we look back and can say, wow, we've come a long way. I think that's it. The fact that we're looking back at, with this level of scrutiny on a video. It's a testament to progress it's and progress motion. Yeah. In some ways. And and how much work is left and, how many, and what are the sticking points? Mm -hmm. I think we can dig in deeper sometime to say, why is this still coming up? Like, why are we still having to convince each other that to treat people like humans is actually better? Why yep. are we still stuck? Yeah. You and I have these conversations and get asked to come speak and we'll go away, go, well, I don't want to, I don't actually want to tank that side of the work. But no, don't. Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't overshare. You're going to overshare. I, you know, I feel like sometimes, did we just talk common sense <laughs> again? <laughs> Treat people with dignity. And they're like, yeah. yeah, yeah, more of that. Tell me more. <laughs> Let's go yeah. deeper. Yeah, it's because it, I remember being there even myself with you when you first mentioned the word intersectionality. I'm like, okay, what's that? And for those of you who don't know, intersectionality means, Jake? That uh, there are layers to our identity that a person can show up and what makes us wonderfully complex is that we're not only one thing. And so there's these layers of, who you are, you know, so we don't end up only uh, thinking of one group. So a person doesn't have to be just black or trans, but there yeah. are black trans folks who yeah. have education, who, who don't have education. And so as we start to um, sort of peek behind the, the, the layers or the labels, uh, we, we find all these interconnected um, pieces of identity. So this intersectionality and, and how each part of these identities uh, have both um, privilege and oppression. 
so when you read when i went away after that and read about it a little bit i remember thinking oh my gosh this is such common sense how did you have to how, why did i have to read a white paper to explain it to me yeah i and um and so we're all on this spectrum somewhere getting where we're going to go but the 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 thing is to take the journey and to not give up so in conclusion we are not that far away from 1954 um and the emphasis on dei is being driven by profit that's fine this sales thing don't be such a overt racist to black people when they come in your store that's being driven by profit too and it can it can because as you said we have moved past this video at this macro scale i'm not saying that mm -hmm. there's still horrible horrible original sin type things yeah. occurring but um as we consider that what what's the takeaway for for today so i think there's a couple things what the first thing that comes to mind is uh, maybe there's space to do some reflection on our own efforts. So we don't have to wait 60 years to look back at someone else's. Yeah, that, okay, I right? like that one. Yeah, so, that is very good. So we, we can slow down and say, so how, how are we doing? So I think mm. we, we tend to over-celebrate or be overly critical. Well, that didn't work. I'm not mm. doing that again. That's true. When the, when the one higher didn't work out because <laughs> then you have to figure out, oh, shoot, maybe that was tokenism. Yeah. So... No baby and bathwater going out together. We just dig in and say, be, be appropriately critical and reflective. And, and then celebrate, but then don't arrive, right? So that's that conscious competence model mm. that you just have to keep, keep working it. You keep working the steps. So yeah. I think that's one thing is that we're looking around and saying, what are we doing? How are we doing? What could we do, be doing better? Asking ourselves and the people around us the hard questions and, and, and then being open to the feedback. And the other thing is, you know, the, the folks who maybe some of the thought this up, Ebony Magazine, for example, some real thought leaders in this space, probably were way out ahead of most other people in some of these concepts and thinking and whatnot. I, I don't know if this video is a good representation of how, where they were in their own personal thinking, because you know how marketing kind of dumbs things down and makes things really... <laughs> commoditized and whatnot not to the not to our listeners who are in no. that, that work <laughs> no 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 we the marketers are listening you. here are awesome yeah. yes exactly okay. yeah but having the space who is the author who said um every book i write is a correction of the last one and the idea was that you should never write a book five years later as an argument to why yeah. you're thinking it was exactly right five years previous because it shouldn't be right right we're evolving um, we're evolving. And so your admonition yeah. to continually revisit and reflect and consider, come up with a new maybe way of thinking about it, test that hypothesis, see if it works or didn't work, pull back, talk to people, reflect on it, come up with a new plan, do it again. This is the cycle of transformation. Right. It's that rational discourse. It's this yeah. conversation that says, push, push me to think differently. Um, yeah. Help me get there. I'm, I'm Even the struggling. stuff that you think you've nailed, right? Yeah. Yeah. Which is hard because you want to celebrate it, but then still be able to, what do the Irish say? Hold on tightly, let go lightly. When you know it's time to let go, just let it go. But until then, grow with it, move with it. Did you just use like a stereotype? You're like all the, all the Irish say that. <laughs> like every, I, no, no. It was attribution. <laughs> it's Celtic. It's an old saying. I don't and, know. And I properly... Okay, did not fine. claim that I came up with it like I do most of the time. Well, so long as I have a, knows, I have a saying. 
Hold on tightly, let go lightly. That, oh, you're. <laughs> <laughs> I just came up with that. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> okay, so uh, some practical steps. We got to have some practical steps here. Let's land the plane here. Um, well, I, one practical step is I think folks should should constantly be looking for resources. One of the things that 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 we do is we we keep our learning. So. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't arrive. We send each other videos. So in, mm -hmm. it, we, we, we are constantly trying to push each other in these conversations. Mm -hmm. You don't true. need to have a podcast to do that. Uh, sort of expand your community who's going to do that. So when you're talking about these, you know, um, the rational discourse, you have to be talking to someone or some other people. So get into some of those conversations that uh, will stretch you and, uh, and start sh sharing things. Um, get involved in activities or in groups that are are stretching you to do new things, um, uh, new experiences, uh, volunteering with uh, different groups of uh, folks that you wouldn't ordinarily come in yeah, contact things that with. Can get challenge to know your norms and the way you see the world. Yeah, that's good. I, I mean, I think I think those are. And lastly, I would say, like, subscribe, and share. Oh, that's a good last one. That is yeah, a good last one. Yeah. Um, if I can add one more. Like everything else, I want to get DEI right. It feels like there's a destination, mm -hmm. but that's a mirage. Because in my lifetime, human beings will not evolve out of their othering, us and them, suspicion, distrust of people who don't look like us and aren't in our in-group. We just won't evolve hundreds of thousands a year in a lifetime or two lifetimes or three lifetimes. So. The thing I have to keep reminding myself is no matter how far we move the needle as our, in our own lives, with our own families, at work or in society, it isn't enough. It won't be where we need to be 100,000 years from now because we need that time to evolve. But it's movement and it's critical. So we're a link in the chain towards a better future. But we can get really discouraged when we realize it's never going to be done. It's just not in our lives, well, in my right. life, I'm never going to have, I never get to stop dealing with my own internal bias, which is because can be exhausting. Because it's our brains that need to evolve. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's our brains and our DNA that we pass on and those so, slight incremental changes over time. So it's not attitudinal. It's not just a good idea. We actually know that physiologically you have to, like your yeah. gray matter has to shift. Gray matter has time, to shift. Over yep. over generations, um, but it's it's a. I think what we're looking at is even going back sixty years, we can see that it's moving. Yeah, that, and that, so and that's, that's the, the hope. There is movement. You can see it. Yeah, and that that needs to be enough. Is it enough right now? It is. Okay. Thanks for talking. Yeah, you too. All right. See you next week. See you, buddy. Bye. This has been a Podstarter production. production.